Am I on? Can you hear me? Okay. How's everybody doing? Y'all got your Christmas shopping done? Huh? A study by a British psychologist says that Christmas shopping is actually uh, hard on men. I mean, it's dangerous to men because of their elevated blood pressure. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. You must have read our devotional this week. That was in our devotional this week. Kylie's probably done. <laughs> anyway, it gets kind of stressful for me. So, I have this chair. You know, deep inside everyone's heart, there's a, a central location that's the throne. It's what our greatest affections reside. So, um, so it's a throne. We'll call it a palace or a throne. The things that are very dear to us reside there. But the thing is, God is the one who should sit on that throne. Let's think of this chair as that throne in our heart. And if you are in Christ, God is the one who should be on that throne. Um, so, so we all fill it with a lot of other things. And when we do that, we, we become discontent. We have a lack of peace, depression, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, and guilt. Because God's not first. He's not the most important thing to us. The things that we replace it with is a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a wife, a husband, maybe social media, alcohol, drugs, child, grandchild. Can you believe how big she is? Isn't she just adorable? Yeah. Hobbies. That's where I'm guilty. Gaming, working out, maybe a collector car, a diesel truck. Mm, I like black smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's fishing or hunting, that dirty pointer, or a tractor. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Or a drag car, a six-second sleeper. Yeah. Maybe it's your work or your bank account, or your retirement. How about a motorcycle? You'd like to crack that throttle. For me, it's my snowmobile. 109 miles an hour on the back stretch. That gets my blood pumping. Yeah. Don't worry, there's no speed limits. Except in the city limits. So put your badge back in your pocket. Okay, God gave me permission. Today we're going to read a story about a man and his son, and it's in Genesis 22. Uh, it's the story of Abraham and Isaac, and uh, you know, Abraham didn't have a son until he was in his 90s, so when his son came along, he was very fascinated and enamored by this little guy, and so he was so impressed, you can imagine that this is Isaac on the throne. And God called him to do something very dramatic with his son. 
So, as you can imagine, any one of our kids could be that person on the throne. So I'm going to read from Genesis 22. If you have your Bibles, go over there. But in the meantime, I'm going to say a prayer. So, Almighty God, we bow before you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your great salvation, Lord. I'm thinking of Jeremy many miles away, a messenger for your kingdom as well. God, we just ask that you would bless him, bless him with safety, bless him with words and speech to honor you as he speaks to your, your people and to preachers and pastors in Africa. So Lord, just be with me and help me to convey this message in a godly, in a righteous way and fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So going to Genesis 22, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and the two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So, in the first verse, after these things, God tested Abraham. The first point on your sermon outline Point number one, a fully surrendered faith will experience testing. Jesus was tested. John was tested. Peter was tested. Job, Daniel. How about Joseph? Many years in prison. He was tested. Why wouldn't we experience testing? Students, students, who likes the test? Raise your hand. Hmm? Anybody? Really? Guess what the alternative is? The main reason teachers test is to measure student learning, student growth, understanding skill. It is also to motivate you to study. It is to keep you accountable. It's to take you to the next level. Who wants to stay at grade one? Anybody? First grade, right? Maybe you're like this guy in your 20s and 30s. I like my milk, right? Hmm? Don't you want a burger and fries? No, I just want my milk, right? A mashed potatoes? No, leave me alone. I want my milk, right? Let's be done with that. In, in uh, Hebrews 6.1, God says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Who wants to be in the first grade? I'm talking spiritually now. You can't see on the outside who's immature spiritually, but you can sometimes see that 
when they're mentally immature. Faith in God to be genuine must be tested. Struggles always lead to strength. God will use difficulty in our life to produce faith and perseverance. It's like going to the gym. Can you pump three times, look in the mirror, make you stronger, right? Colton, does that work? Hmm? No. You go and you go until you can't go no more, and then you go five more times, and then you go another seven times. That's how you stretch your muscles. That's how you become stronger. Well, I don't care as much about physical strength as I do about spiritual strength. The point I'm making is exercise spiritual practices. Read your Bible. Do devotionals. Go to church. Make these things a priority in your life. When trials and testing come, you're strong enough to endure. You can handle those things. You know that God is your strength and he will help you through them. Back to the text, verses 4 through 8. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire, the wood, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? So I have called on John and Carter to come up and help me demonstrate this. So John and Carter. So John is, is going to be down here. John is going to be represent Abraham. And here's his young son, Isaac. Isaac here is in his teens. Abraham here, he's in his 90s. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Load him up. Load him up. Oh, go ahead. Well, <laughs> yeah. Stay here with the donkeys while the boy and I go over there and worship, and then we'll come back to you. Okay. Got the donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Abraham, Abraham, what are you doing? God has commanded me to offer my son Isaac as a burnt offering. What are you going to do when you come home tonight without your son? What are you going to tell Sarah? The Lord will provide. I hope so. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Here I am. So I have the wood and you have the fire. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, son. 
Thank you. Thank you. Good job. You hear that confidence? The Lord will provide. Abraham's just so calm and he just, oh yeah. So I'm going to read verse 9 through 14 right now. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in the order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife and to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him in heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up in his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Point number two. A fully surrendered life, a fully surrendered faith chooses to believe even though, even through loss. A fully surrendered faith chooses to believe even through loss. Nowhere does God require a sacrifice of a human, a child, in the womb, out of the womb. God does not expect that of a person. The pagans actually did that in that day. They sacrificed their own children. What a horrible thing. When God takes away from you something you really want, it is to protect you for what he really wants. Is that up on the screen? Okay. You know, there are people that have lost a lot. There are people in this room who have given up a son or a child, yet they have the faith to continue and to go on and to glorify God. That's a faith that is surrendered to God. I want to have that kind of faith. And when that happens, there's so many questions. Here are some questions to ask when this happens. Was that more important to me than God himself? Does God have a different direction for my life? Or is it to bring greater impact for his kingdom? It's hard to know and understand when those things happen to us, why God does it. Faith is defined by our ability to give up everything, not to receive blessing. Anybody can have faith when the blessings are coming down, right? That's easy. But it is defined by our ability to give up everything. 
unlike the prosperity gospel people say, come to Jesus, your life's going to be great, it's going to be good, full of blessing. Nope, not if your life is required. No, it's easy to have faith in church. It's not not where real faith is practiced it's not where real faith is experienced it's out in the world it's in your workplaces it's in your homes it's where you do life that's where your your faith is challenged I had a challenge this week let's just say I didn't pass I did not have faith so I got this package from an online store and uh, I got the package, opened it up, and half of it was missing. I'm like, what? So I got on the email and started emailing the shipper, and, and I said, you guys didn't send me everything. Where's the rest? No reply. And so I'm getting a little worked up, and I send another text. <coughs> no reply. By this time, it's getting close to quitting time. And I'm like, are they going to answer me? So I looked at the box, and I, I was like, well, I opened it at the other end where the shipper had closed it, and they put their own seal on it. And while I saw the seal was broken, the tape was open, it's like somebody opened this and took something out. And, and the, the weight said 25 pounds. I put it on the scale, and it weighed 17 pounds. I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't the shipper. It was a shipping company that dropped the ball here. So I'm back on the phone texting or emailing. It's one of those online companies. They don't have a phone. You can't call them. I was like, I was ready to say, Esther, get in the car. We're going to Washington. <laughs> but you know, I didn't practice faith. I didn't trust God to take care of it. Even if he didn't resolve it, I didn't have faith, so I failed. God's not interested in just saving us. He, wants, he has greater plans. He wants to take us to the next level. He wants us to bring glory to the kingdom through our life. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the, of the sand of the seashore. And of your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You know, the lineage of Jesus Christ actually came from Isaac, many years later. Point number three is a fully surrendered faith obeys and receives promises. You know, we can't, we can't expect to, to receive the promises of God if we don't obey. Those are for the people of God. Those Yes, we sin, but we don't continue sinning. 
There's a few different kinds of obedience. There's an obedience to a calling. When I was planning, when Jeremy asked me to give a message, I was like, first thing that God brought to me was this text here for some reason. I was like, I don't want to teach that. I don't want to speak on that. God, give me something in the New Testament. <laughs> like, much easier. A week went by, nothing. Come on, God, just give me a message. First Peter, somewhere over there. <laughs> no message, no message. I'm like, really, God? So uh, until I started studying and going through this, did I feel God leading me to speak on this message? That's one kind of obedience. There's another kind of obedience is obedience to the word of God. And as hard as this is to say this, God loves you. And um, he wants the best for you. God says, don't lie, don't steal, don't covet. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So if we did the, the latter part, we wouldn't have to have the don't do verses. Now, if we'd love God with all our heart, we probably wouldn't lie. We probably wouldn't steal. There are sexual sins that God commands us not to do. Sex outside marriage is sin. Sex before marriage is sin. Same sex is sin. God loves you and he doesn't want you to do those things. When you step outside God's boundaries, it's like a fire outside of the fireplace. There's all kinds of negative consequences when that happens, right? Who wants a fire outside the fireplace? It's supposed to be in its contained place. When you violate these principles, you hurt yourself. You're not hurting God, you're hurting yourself. And the people around you suffer. Check, check the word yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go see yourself if this is what God's standard is. By faith, choose the future over the moment. By faith, choose the future over the moment. Too many people suffer because they chose a moment of pleasure instead of choosing the future. In regards to application, the main message of, of this chapter is, is God on the throne of your heart? Is he the most important thing in your life? Is he the center of your affections? Do you love him? Worship team, you can come up. You know, I did an inventory. I wrote down all the things 
that might take the place of God, starting with my wife, my children, my home, my job, my money, my bank account, all those things. I recommend to you to do that yourself. To just look at the things that might detract you from giving God your best. You know, very close to this mountain where Abraham offered up Isaac, several hundred yards away, there's a mountain where a man was crucified and carried the cross, just like Isaac carried the wood on his back. Jesus Christ carried the cross on his back and he was crucified for your sin and my sin. You don't have to live without peace. You can have that guilt removed. So come. Come to the altar. Have your sins erased, whether it be by giving your life to Christ again, restoring your faith in God.